We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Paul, the managing editor of Rams Talk. Coming to you live for the first podcast of July. July 2nd here, 2017. Multiple things covered today. Uh, most of it Rams related, but we do want to get into a couple of things that are not Rams related. Um, that includes a little bit of All or Nothing, the Amazon Prime series on the 2016 Los Angeles Rams. Also includes talk on the Greg Robinson trade. We haven't covered that one yet. And a few other notes for camp and so on and so forth. And I guess the big question that I have for our audience too is, is where do the Rams stand with the Los Angeles Chargers? All right, so that's what we're going to cover today. Um, first thing I want to take a look at here is thing on Amazon. You know, I don't know if you watched it last year, last year's series, all or Nothing covered the Arizona Cardinals, the 2015 version that won the division title. Uh, widely acclaimed. And the, the 2016 version uh, covers our Los Angeles Rams. And they've been hitting us with this preview on, you know, joining Jeff Fisher, head coach, former head coach Jeff Fisher, getting his resign, his, uh, his uh, news, sorry, 
he's been fired by management. So here's the deal. Here's the question I have for you. Is this worth watching? Now, any fan is going to say yes. Any normal fan, anyways. I'm not going to say abnormal. I don't count myself as being normal. So let's put that out there. But normal fan, first glance, will say yes. Yes, I want to watch this. I want to see what happened with this team last year. Um, But given the failure of this team to really do its job in its first season in L.A., the question I really want to ponder here is, is it worth watching? Do I really want to relive the failure of the 2016 season? And most of us kind of felt like this was a team that should win at least eight games, that this team should uh, make a move to possibly at least earn a wild card berth. You know, it was not a horribly difficult schedule in 2016, but now we have to relive this horrible 4 and 12 year that saw Jared Goff struggle, that saw you know, the entire quarterback situation struggle. The defense get worn out as the year wore on. Todd Gurley couldn't find a hole. The offensive line was a train wreck. And it was all done uh, in a first year back in L.A. I'm really, really wondering about that. So as we get this podcast posted, I, I, I would hope that some folks would go ahead and comment on that because I really want to know, do you, did, you, did you enjoy... Uh, watching all or nothing did you watch it um this first this episode at least for at least the first one the whole series of all eight episodes is out on they're out on amazon prime and and it's getting great reviews thus far but the question is are you willing to go ahead and relive all that garbage that we went through last year to go ahead and and see this team relive the first year in la for me i'm not sure yet um, I'm thinking I'll watch the first episode. I think it's worth seeing how the team adjusted. I think it's worth seeing um, how the team functioned as it moved from St. Louis to L.A. And I think I want to watch the last episode where they're showing the hiring of Sean McVay and so on and so forth. But watching in between, I'm not sure I can do that. I'm not sure I can live it down again. It's just... You know, last year, the 2016 season was a painful one, um, both as a fan to watch and as a a writer to cover this team. What do you think? Let us know in the comments section on Facebook or on the uh, webpage itself. Let us know what your thoughts are on this series, All or Nothing. Overall, the work that's done on this series is has been great in his first two years. I have no doubt that Amazon did a great job putting it together. Um, I just don't know that if I can if I can tolerate watching that over um, over again. It's just man, I, can I really watch Jared Goff struggle with under center again? Can I really watch this kid run for his life all over again? Can I really watch Jeff Fisher coach this team into oblivion again? Can I really watch this offensive line? not block for Todd Gurley. I don't know. I don't know. That brings a couple of things to the point. You know, one of the failures that was highlighted in 2016 was Greg Robinson. Greg Robinson, 
our number two draft pick a couple years ago, number two overall. So I make, make sure I clarify that number two overall draft pick from a couple years ago was believed by most experts to be a foolproof draft pick. Well, there's no such thing. The Rams found that out when they drafted Jason Smith a few years back. He was supposed to be their franchise left tackle. Then we saw it again here with Greg Robinson. It just is not a given that a high draft pick will be the answer. Uh, Greg, Greg Robinson had coaching from Charles Bentley last season. was supposed to make a big difference as he entered the campaign. And then as the year went on, he fell apart. Early on in training camp, a mini camp, so TA, so on and so forth, uh, Robinson was down there, down there working with a third team. And now he's been traded to the Detroit Lions for a sixth-round pick. I think this sends two messages. Two messages. One, that Jeff Fisher and his staff completely failed with Greg Robinson. Swung and miss. Now let's go one step further. Um, Les Snead did as well. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, there's an asterisk to that that I want to mention in a minute, but really it's the coaching staff. They failed to develop him, and he's a mess. But two, it did not take long for Sean McVay, his line coach Aaron Cromer, to recognize that they couldn't salvage Greg Robinson. It took him a matter of a couple of weeks to notice this, and that to me is a problem. Mia, tell me that it took it took this this new staff just a couple of weeks to figure out what Jeff Fisher and his staff couldn't figure out over three years. Are they serious? They couldn't figure this out. They didn't see it. They couldn't correct it, and they didn't know when to jump ship on this guy. But yet Sean McVay and Aaron Cromer, that staff that has been in place now for just a couple of weeks over there in L.A., they figure it out. And by being in place, I mean I'm talking about actually on the field and coaching. That's a huge failure on, on the part of the Fisher um, and his former staff, and that's a huge, huge sign um, that this new staff is ready to roll and knows, what this, knows what's going on. It's an indictment of Fisher and his, his staff. I want to. I do want to stress one thing. I don't. I'm not so sure this is an indictment on Les Snead. And I want to say why. In that draft, when Greg Robinson was up there, there were there weren't any, any there were not experts. Nobody was saying this guy was going to fail. Okay, I mentioned that earlier. Nobody said that. Nobody said that Greg Robinson was going to be a bust. It's almost universal. He's going to be a great left tackle in this league. He's a future franchise left tackle. I can't really blame Les Snead for this. There's a lot we can blame Les Snead for, particularly on offense. The failures of Brian Quick, Isaiah Peed. We can go with all those things. Those are some draft picks that didn't pan out. I'm not so sure on the Greg Robinson pick that you can go out there and just say, you know what, this is a result of, of less need swinging and missing. 
Because if he swung and missed on this, then everybody in the league who could have had Greg Robinson would have swung and missed. So I'm, I'm hesitant to call that a bust for Greg Robinson. And unless need I put this more in the hands of Greg Robinson working with Fisher and his staff. But it does not totally excuse Snead in this Rams team. It does not excuse him for the roster. And I believe this is his last year. This was his last draft to really make a difference. And it was a draft that was totally geared towards Sean McVay. So, you know, if his picks fail to really materialize into something that is are, is bigger this year, then I would expect less need to be gone at the end of the season. All right, so we've covered all or nothing. We've covered Les Snead, Greg Robinson. Good luck to Greg Robinson, by the way, in Detroit. I hope he figures it out. Um, he showed flashes at times of being capable. Let me stress being capable uh, of being that dominant offensive lineman, but he just didn't do it in L.A., didn't do it in St. Louis, just lacked focus. Um, he didn't seem coachable. I hope that changes for him. I hope that changes for him. On the flip side, I think what this also means is the Rams are comfortable with who they have on the offensive line. I think that Aaron Cromer believes he can work with the guys. And I, I am truly expecting this offensive line to be a different offensive line from what we saw last season. So there's another thing to think about. All right, moving on. This is not going to be a long podcast today. It's just me today. There's no Norm. There's no Steve. It's just me. So we're just kind of going through a few things that have come out. Thinking about the battle for L.A. I think we can all admit that the Rams botched their return. And the Rams were set. They had the city all to themselves. They had a roster with players, which, uh, in my opinion, they have playmakers. They have speed. They have people with ability. Um, they have personable people, people who can go out there and really engage the community. And that's the one thing the Rams organization's always been good at. Going back as far as I remember, they're very good at getting out and into the community and reaching out. And that's something the Rams did immediately upon returning to Southern California. And now, here they are entering their second year in L.A. And they're joined by the Chargers. They're joined by the Chargers with their powder blues. What's this mean for the Rams? The Chargers came in right away swinging. They said, battle for L.A. We are going to engage in a battle for L.A. Well, they have to. They have to because they didn't have the fan base here. The Rams at least had a residue from their older years. The family members who stuck by the team, the, the people who... Um, who were part of the old Bring Back the Rams Facebook page and those who were protesting the NFL or whatever it was, marching for the NFL to bring this team back to L.A., you know, they were still there. And there was definitely a, you know, some of a, you know, a bond between some fans in L.A. and the Rams. Now you have this team, the Chargers. There are some Chargers fans in L.A., but... 
none of us expect them to actually be in LA. We expect them to be in, in San Diego. We expected them to figure something out, and they didn't. So, is there really a battle for LA? And I want to make an argument here. I want to make an argument that there is a battle. There is a battle. And I know there's going to be some Rams fans. There are going to be some who uh, who disagree with me immediately. I know there are some who are going to fight back at this. I know there are some who might even say, you know what, he has a point. But what I'm going to tell you flat out right now is don't sell the Chargers short. The Chargers come to L.A. with two distinct disadvantages. One... L.A. has a lot of Raiders fans there. And who was, which team was one of the uh, Raiders' big rivals? Well, the Chargers. For many, many years. That's going to be hard to get past. Two, the aforementioned, you know, previously, you know, worked on fan relationship between the Rams and the city of Los Angeles. But L.A. didn't do this right. Kevin DeMoff and this team moved to L.A. Um, and they they failed. They put a crappy product in the field. Um, they failed to even get the uniforms right. They're moving towards the blue and white, which some fans want, but they really, really, really want that blue and gold. The, you know, most of this Ram history has been blue and gold. Only, what, 11 years? Blue and white. So it's really hard for me to think that the Rams are listening to the fan base right now in a productive manner. But the worst thing they did was blow up 2016. They just, they, it was an utter failure across the board organizationally to get this city on their side. For many years, L.A. has had the reputation for being a fair-weather town. I counter that argument. They're not a fair-weather town. They love their teens, but they also have 45,000 different options on a Sunday of things to do. Okay? A, a fan might love the Rams, but if they have the option to go listen to a Rams game at the beach, or go to Disneyland and listen to a Rams game while they're there, or pay attention to ESPN on their phone and do something else, they're going to do it if the Rams' product in the field is horrible. That's not being a fair-weather fan. That's economics. It's pure economics. Let's just put it this way. You can, you know, let's, 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 let's shift gears. Let's look, look, go look back at the attendance at the new Yankee Stadium after the after the Yankees won the World Series. And then the, the team went downhill for a couple years. What happened to the Yankees' attendance in New York? Well, it dropped. They could, they could not sell out that stadium. Are we saying the Yankee fans are, are fair weather? I don't think they are. Some might make the argument that they are, yet, but no, they're, they're not. Okay? Um... The truth is, 
New Yorkers, just like folks in L.A., have other things to do. They have a lot of options. And is it worth braving the traffic to go to a game, to pay all the money for it, to watch a horrible team when they can do something else? Whether it's go hang out with the brand's boosters at a bar, whether it's going to the beach, whether it's going to Universal Studios, whether it's going to Disneyland. The list goes on for Cali. The Rams blew this. And now the Chargers come in with a team with a, with a roster that is it's a bit more explosive. They have some of the best uniforms in the league. They have a you know you have a franchise quarterback who's experienced, knows what he's doing. They have playmakers on both offense and defense. They're a team that has the ability to turn around, win 10-11 games, and make the playoffs this year. And they're doing it in a smaller stadium, which um, for both positive and negative will, pro- will provide an inner experience for fans. In my opinion, the Rams have to respond to that. They have to come out this year. I will, I'm going to make this call right now. They are battling for L.A. The Chargers came in with that attitude. And they knew they had to. The Chargers knew that they had to go in there and make a difference Make an impact. They had to make that call. They knew if they didn't, they're going to bomb in LA. It's going to be a problem. That's why I'm saying don't sleep on the Los Angeles Chargers this year. They're not going to make the same mistakes that the Rams made last year. They're coming ready offensively. They've got playmakers on defense. Again, this is the team that saw what the Rams failed with, what they what they failed in. They know they have to win this city. So the question now becomes, what will the Rams do to counter that? What are the Rams going to do? Looking at the Rams roster right now, they really worked the draft to fit some of those needs. The free agency moves by the Rams were very good. This team will be better. I think where they compete with San Diego, oh, I'm sorry, L.A., um, with the Chargers, is offensively. Can you provide exciting football, an exciting product for the fans? I'm not saying the Rams have to win 10-11 games. What I am saying is can they make it a product worth selling to the average fan base? Can they make it a product that's worth spending an afternoon at the Coliseum? Can they fix Todd Gurley, an offensive line? Will Jared Goff take the next step? Will somebody finally emerge to be a number one receiver in that receiving core? There's potential there, but there's long been potential there. Defensively, will the move to Wade Phillips modified 4-3, a.k.a. a 3-4, will it 
keep the front line, the front seven, strong against the run and put enough pressure on the pass. There's one more thing the Rams need to do as well. Fans are watching this very closely. they got to pay Aaron Donald. We've, we've watched the Aaron Donald story just, you know, keep getting reported. Numerous comments. He's coming to camp. He's not coming to camp. These reports are, you know, making it look like the Donald is doing the best he can to remain professional. Listen, pay this man. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. He might be the best defensive player in the league. Pay this man. He has the, he has the identity of the Los Angeles Rams defense on his shoulders. And he has competition over there at the Chargers and the emerging Joey Bosa. Pay that man. You do not want to lose him to their team. You do not want to see Aaron Donald wearing another uniform after next season. Pay him now. Pay him now. Figure it out. Do not let him come into the 2017 season without an extension. The Rams will regret letting that happen. If Tremaine Johnson leaves after this season, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. If Larry, if, sorry, if Mr. Aaron Donald is gone, that's, that's going to be a problem. They cannot lose Aaron Donald. Rams need to work this out. They need to pay that man, pay him what, pay him what he wants. You know, make him the highest paid defensive um, player in the league. Do what you gotta do to keep that man in a Rams uniform for the next six, seven years. Do it. Get it out of the way. Okay. Also, if the Rams are going to win this battle with the Chargers. We need to see the development of a secondary. We need to see the special teams continue to grow. The most important factor with all that, just put together exciting football. Exciting football. Todd Gurley last year said that the Rams were running a middle school offense. We don't want to watch a middle school offense. It's hard to it's hard to to, to cheer for and cover as a as a team or a writer, and as a fan or a writer. You, are they serious? The offense the Rams put in the field during the Jeff Fisher reign was one of the worst offenses I've ever seen. And you can't get away with that in L.A. You can't. Nobody wants to watch that. Nobody wants to watch that. That needs to be fixed. That needs to be stopped. Um... We, you know, Sean McVay has a heavy, heavy offensive pedigree. So you bring them all together. What's it come down to? The development of Jared Goff. And they got to find a way to get this guy developed fast. Now, if he's not going to work out, then you got to hope Sean Mannion is in the background and ready to go. The Rams must develop a quarterback quickly. It must happen. I mean, this is Hollywood. This is Hollywood. You want 
You want to make a splash in the city? You want to beat the Chargers? You need a quarterback. Because Philip Rivers over there in San Diego, you know, sorry, I keep saying San Diego. I keep wanting to say San Diego. Philip Rivers, the franchise quarterback for the Chargers, he's going to wing it all over the field. All right, so there's one more thing I want to finish this with, and it's not Rams-related. Um, it's been controversial for the last few months, and that is former 49ers quarterback um, Colin Kaepernick. He's still out of a job, and I just want to kind of bring this to the attention uh, of our Rams fans. I've seen some Rams fans on our page talking about uh, why we did not sign Colin Kaepernick. And I'm going to give a simple answer, folks. I'm going to give you two answers. All right. Your two answers. A, Colin Kaepernick struggles to read defense. We've seen it multiple times in games against the 49ers. He struggles to read defenses. Go watch the film. That's one reason why he's not getting a job. Number two. He brings a lot of distractions, his protests, his, his activism. Um, I'm not buying this whole racism thing that teams are being racist against because there's a lot of other players who protested as well and they all have jobs. Okay, But the problem with Kaepernick is, is he worth the drama that comes with his activism as a backup quarterback? Who's also, he's also just good enough to cause a quarterback controversy on your team should your starter struggle. Think about it. If the Rams went out and signed him behind Goff, Goff's going to be looking behind him the entire time. All the cameras are going to be on Kaepernick. All the news on, on Kaepernick. What's he doing now? What's he saying now? Um... Oh, is he pushing Goff? You know, if Goff struggles for a couple games, are we going to start saying, hey, should we put in Kaepernick now? Because Kaepernick, he has the ability. We, he took a team to the Super Bowl. Let's not forget that. He took the 49ers to a Super Bowl. So act like this man doesn't have the ability to play quarterback in this league. That's not true. But I'm going to, I'm going to venture, this is controversial, I'm going to venture to say the main reason why he doesn't have a job isn't because people are racist because the league's racist. It's because A, signing him came in a quarterback controversy. And B, watch the film again, he struggles to read defenses. And if you're a quarterback in this league, you have to read a defense. Look at his record last year. Look at his record last year as the quarterback of the 49ers. Look at his statistics. Okay, don't look at his statistics in mop-up duty. Look at his statistics first through third quarter. Watch the film. You can watch some older film with him against the Rams. There was one, uh, I want to say it's Monday Night Football or Thursday Night Football. I mean, it's one of the more infamous plays that he ever um, made or didn't make. And that's when he had an open receiver off to his right. And he just eyeballed the corner of the end zone on the, on the opposite side of him. I mean, that's just, he misses these progressions. And that is why I believe Colin Kaepernick does not have a job. Okay? 
Now, we can have this debate over and over again, and, and I'll respect anybody's conclusion on this, okay? Um, that's just my view. Um, it could be a wrong view. Um, I'm going to say, again, I believe, again, Kaepernick, the reason why he's not in, on an NFL team right now is he can't read his, he can't read his progressions, and he will provide controversy for a team that signs him. Either as a quarterback controversy or through his activism. Okay, so that's all we have today. Um, starting to pick up on these podcasts. Expect our next one in a week or two. It just depends on what's going on. Right now we're kind of in that dead spell. It's it's July heading into another 25, 26 days until camp opens. Um, next time we meet, hopefully it's in a, a little bit of quicker circumstances. This is Derek C. Paul for Rams Talk. Talk to you soon. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.